he's a well-respected high school football scout, known for his unpopular opinion and brash commentary. The coach, Keith Miller. He's a well-respected national high school football recruiting analyst. Craig Biggins. Together they bring you the transparent truth, the world's number one source for high school football recruiting news and interviews. In the transparent truth. Tr- tr- <laughs> welcome, welcome. You're now listening to the transparent truth. It's your boy, Coach Keith. Five star Friday with my man Greg Biggs. GB, what's going on? What's going on, Keith? How are you? I'm doing good. It's five star Friday, my friend. It sure is. Every day should be a five star day, right? If you're doing it right. Yeah, no question about it. We got a big time. We got a big time interview with our guy Bucky Brooks. Been knowing Bucky for a while. NFL analyst for NFL Network, former NFL football player, University of North Carolina graduate. What can you speak on that, GB? Great guy. We traveled together for a, a lot of years when I was doing my student sports work. Bucky still is. He's one of the lead receiver coaches for the Nike Champs in the opening and all that good stuff. Guy knows football. He knows receivers. He knows training. And he essentially knows the NFL draft. Him and my guy Daniel Jeremiah do. For me, they're the, are the two best guys out there. And I'm such an NFL draft geek. Keith, back in the day, I would only watch all 12 rounds. When it used to be a 12-round day, I would sit in my bed and watch all 12 rounds of that thing. I must have been, uh, been kind of a weird kid, but... Uh, I still love it to this day, so I'm excited to talk to Bucky about it. Yeah, no question about it. Before we get to talking to Bucky GB, we got to remind people about our Sleeper of the Week. Hey, we want to remind everybody, tune in every Wednesday for our Sleeper of the Week segment. Really want to thank our guy, Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show. So thank you, Larry. When we have business and a man that is really interested in the community, we need to show our support right back at him. Sit and Sleep is the only place that offers advanced sleep technology. Greg? Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high-quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Sit and Sleep. They'll beat anyone's advertised price or your mattress is free. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. All right, and we're back. So let's jump into it. My man, Bucky Brooks, NFL Network, NFL analyst. Again, a former NFL football player, former scout in the NFL. Big time knowledge, wide range of abilities. Let's jump to it. My guy, Bucky Brooks, here on The Transparent Truth. All right, now we'd like to bring in NFL analyst, former University of North Carolina star and NFL alum veteran, Bucky Brooks from the NFL Network. Buck, how you doing? Man, I'm good, guys. How you guys doing? You're doing all right, man. Appreciate you for joining the Transparent Troop. I got my guy, Greg Biggins, here. We're going to shoot you some questions. Always remember to give him the Transparent Truth, my guy. Hey, Buck, you sound tired, man. You kind of sound like me the week before signing day. When it's just a grind. How, how you doing, man? Are you, you feeling, uh, are you just getting any sleep right now? Your phone constantly next to your ear 24-7 right now? Uh, uh, I mean, it's been a little crazy. Obviously, when you're like two weeks, less than two weeks away from the draft, it's kind of bananas with all the things that you're trying to get lined up. You're trying to make sure that you get all the information that you need to do a really good job on draft day when you're talking about those guys. I guess it would be equivalent to signing day for you guys. Um, just making sure you know everything that you can possibly know, hearing from the other side, teams, what they're saying about players, trying to kind of get the last little things, the last little details on players, just in case anything crazy happens, an unexpected slide, someone that pops up in the first round that no one necessarily talked about, just trying to take care and cover your bases. So, but I'm not trying to brown nose the guest. I would never do that. You and I go way back traveling on the Nike Camp Tour, but uh, me and Keith, I've said this a thousand times, I honestly think you know, I'm not a hater. I don't dislike, you know, Kuiper or McShay, but I've said I think you and Daniel, DJ, are easily the two best guys out there. So um, love listening to you guys. Love watching you guys. So let's just jump right in here, Buck. Uh, obviously, it's a quarterback-driven draft every single year. Maybe no more no more so than this year with potentially, uh, what, six guys going the first round. Right now, and I'm looking at – I got your draft pulled up, and for those fans that are, that are curious um, – your, your mock draft is what you think is going to happen. But I also want to know what you would do. What I value Bucky Brooks' opinion. So I want to know what you would do. So let's just start off. Number one, Cleveland Browns. You got them taking Josh Allen right now. 
Um, is that what you're still here? I know this is your last mock was a couple days ago, and I know how fluid this is. Things change, you know, by the minute. But do you still hear Josh Allen number one? And also, who would be your number one pick if you're the Browns, Buck? You know, I think yeah, Josh Josh Allen to the Browns has legs. Um, I think when you go back and check the general manager's history, he has traditionally gone with potential and projection over production, meaning that he typically will go with the guy who may have what he deems to be the higher ceiling, uh, the bigger arm, the better athlete, the guy who appears to have a little more growth that can happen in his game. And so with Josh Allen, obviously people have been fascinated with him over the last year. He is an A-plus athlete with A-plus arm talent. He makes throws that quarterbacks should not be able to make. However, he has struggled um, with his accuracy. He has struggled performing at a high level in big games. Uh, you look at his three games against Power 5 competition, one touchdown, eight interceptions. Um, he's a guy who only has two 300-yard games on his resume. And so it's hard for me to look at Josh Allen and say that he is a guy that's worthy of being the number one overall pick when you look at his tape. But just because John Dorsey has a history of taking these guys, we saw him last year take Patrick Mahomes over Deshaun Watson. Um, he spent his formative years working in Green Bay when Brett Favre was there. He might be so smitten with the natural talent that he's willing to ignore some of those red flags to gamble on a guy that could be on the come and could have more upside than any other quarterback in the position. So just to play devil's advocate, and I'm kind of agreeing with everything you said, Buck, but just the devil's advocate is with Josh Allen being at Wyoming, you kind of mentioned you know, his struggles against you know, some of these power teams. You know, Playing Wyoming against those teams is kind of like Ocean View High School picking on modern-day high school, right? I mean, it's, they're just getting out-athleted. Just the devil's advocate, how would you answer those that would say, you know, he doesn't have a whole lot of, you know, around him, doesn't have an NFL receiver, doesn't have an NFL left tackle blocking for him. How do you handle that argument? You know, I think it goes back to, okay, let's throw those games out. Let's look at his games versus guys in his, his league, guys that are same level playing field. Um, sure. I think it's as simple as looking at high school kids. If I'm looking at a high school kid, at some point in high school, those, those blue chippers, they dominate. I don't have a signature performance for Josh Allen where I ever felt like he was the best guy on the field. And then I even dig a little deeper. I mean, shoot, well, you guys are on, on the ground. You guys know pretty much every top high school recruit and prospect that comes out in the west side of the country. Um, for this guy to kind of never be on the scene, to never be heard about, to be a guy that was underrated that then went to JUCO, had only one offer coming out of JUCO, to go to Wyoming, and yeah, he has all this talent. Man, I just am of the belief that somewhere down the line we would have heard and seen this guy, and I just have a tough time thinking that a guy who may have been a one or two-star recruit is going to be the best player in the draft four or five years later. It's just hard for me to kind of wrap my brain around that. So, Buck, who do you take? You're the Cleveland Browns. Who does Bucky Brooks draft? Um, I, I think, look, Jim Moore got a lot of flack for when he came onto the show. Um, passed his draft on Info Network a couple weeks ago and said that in a, for fit, he would take Sam Darnold. But Sam Darnold is probably the best fit for the Cleveland Browns. Um, blue-collar kid, blue-collar mentality. Um, guy is a tremendous worker. A guy that really is what I call a man's man. Easy to like by his teammates. And then when you put on the tape, there are a lot of very, very impressive things that he does. He does a great job of playing off the script. He does a good job of throwing down the middle of the field. He can throw with touch, timing, and anticipation. He can create and extend plays. He's a guy that is clutch. We've seen him with the game on the line, uh, raise his level of play. We saw it in the Rose Bowl. We saw it against Texas. We've seen it a couple other times. They beat uh, undefeated UW team on the road last year. So he has a bunch of moments where you can say, wow, this dude has all the stuff that you look for as a franchise quarterback. And in fact, I had this conversation with Trent Dilfer. We had it on air um, yesterday where I said, look, when I look at Sam Donald, a lot of his competitive spirit and the way he goes about his business is very similar to the way Jameis Winston um, got down at Florida State. Not saying that they're the same guy, but in terms of those ultra-competitive players who they play their best when their best is required, I believe Sam Donald is that guy. And because of that, I think he's worthy of being the number one overall pick. Look at you, Buck. Quote a little John Wooden pyramid of success right there with that competitive grace. <laughs> I, I see what you're doing. I see that. Hey, you know what? Me and Keith said the same thing. I, I, I thought with Jim Morris, that was, was 100% accurate. And I think people, 
Honestly, I think people look for a reason to get upset, Buck. People look for a reason to get mad at, mad at things. And I didn't think what Morris said was so hostile, he got so much backlash for that. But I do think, like you, I think Sam just fits Cleveland, just that gritty, you know, uh, he's a tough kid. He's a basketball guy. He's a linebacker. His first offer was from Utah to play backer. So I kind of like that. Uh, jump into number two, unless Keith wants to jump in. You want to jump in number two? Keith Miller, we got the New York Giants on the clock. The New York Giants are on the clock. Bucky Brooks have them selecting Bradley Chubb, the defensive end out of North Carolina State. Well, <laughs> uh, I think the big thing with Bradley Chubb, uh, when you look at Bradley Chubb tape, um, I think he's more polished and a more complete player than Miles Garrett was a year ago who went number one overall to the Browns. When you look at Bradley Chubb, Bradley Chubb is a complete defensive end, meaning he can rush the passer, he can play the run, he is a force that is uh, felt on the edge. He has tremendous hand skills. His com- combative one-on-one hand skills are some of the best that I've seen. And so because his game is really built on technique and fundamentals, he's a guy that I think consistently is going to get 10 to 12 sacks a game. And so when you're the New York Giants and you've picked there, the last time you picked number two, you were able to get Lawrence Taylor. You're David Gellerman, and you believe in building your team on the premise that you got to build around the bigs. Bradley Chubb is the best big uh, in the draft. I think they would lean towards that than another position player. The best football player I've ever seen was Lawrence Taylor, the original LT. Would you take Chubb, too, at, with the uh, with number two pick box? Would that be your, your guy if you're the GM? You know, I, I think it would either come down to Chubb or Saquon Barkley. Um, David Gettleman feels like Eli Manning still is a franchise quarterback with a couple years left. If you really want to squeeze out the best in Eli Manning, it might be to surround him with Saquon Barkley, put that guy in the backfield because he's not only a dominant runner, but he's an outstanding receiver out the backfield. You then have a lineup with Odell Beckham Jr., Evan Ingram, uh, Sterling Shepard, Saquon Barkley. I think any quarterback's play would be elevated by having those kind of guys around him. So number three, let's jump to the Jets, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. You got them taking Sam Darnold. We talked about him. That he'd, that'd be your guy for number one. Uh, why Why do you feel the Jets will go with Darnold? There's somebody's on the board right there, and, and Josh Allen obviously goes number one to the Browns. Um, I think it would come down to the debate between Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen. And I think, uh, not from my perspective, but in most people's perspective, they have Sam Darnold rated a little ahead of Josh Rosen simply because they feel better about the person and the character and who he is. He appears to be a guy that would fit into the locker room maybe a little better than Josh Rosen, and that is why they would favor him. For me, I think the Jets would be an ideal spot for Josh Rosen. Uh, High IQ, um, a guy who really can handle a lot of information and process process it quickly. Jeremy Bates is a guy that worked with Jay Cutler. Uh, Jay Cutler is another cerebral guy, a guy who came from Vanderbilt, who really needed to be, I guess, kind of communicated with in a certain way so he could understand it. I feel like Josh Rosen is the same way. I just believe it would be an outstanding fit for him to be in New York with the Jets. You know, I've known Josh since he was an eighth grader. Met him at a, a, a tournament, Pylon, seven-on-seven tournament. I have yet, and so since the eighth grade, I've been in, a, been in a lot of locker rooms. I've yet to hear a single teammate or ex-teammate say anything negative about Josh. It, it's really crazy to me that this narrative is out there that he's a bad teammate and he's uncoachable. Uh, you've seen him. You've known him really well from Elite 11 and from the opening. Uh, why do you think that's out there, Buck? And, and, uh, and what are your thoughts on Josh, the person? Forget the quarterback for a second. I have my own concerns about Josh in terms of, you know, escaping pressure and, and making plays outside the pocket. But from a from a personality standpoint, I know the kid really, really well, and I know D. Lyman who loved the guy. His his former high school center is his best friend still. That's kind of a rarity. Um, you don't really see the big uglies who want to hang out with a quarterback. But where does that narrative come from, and what is your personal feelings like when you've dealt with Josh one on one, Buck? Uh, I have an extensive history with Josh Rosen. Um, coached at Notre Dame High School in Sherman Oaks. We actually played against Josh when he was a sophomore at St. John's Bosco in the playoffs. And I'll be honest, it was a game that we probably should have won based on how the game played out. We were winning in the fourth quarter, and Josh led them back. And I will say that my first real exposure to him in terms of being around him, um, coached him in Elite 11, and he was the quarterback on my 7-on-7 team at that Elite 11 event. And I'll be honest with you, he rubbed me the wrong way because at the time I felt like he was 
a 17-year-old know-it-all who wasn't ready to humble himself to take coaching. And so I walked away from that experience kind of viewing him in a certain light. Last summer I had a chance to see him when he came back to work as a counselor at Elite 11, and I felt like the kid was completely different. Um, I felt like just from a maturity standpoint he had grown. Um, and then when I had an opportunity to watch him throw, the guy, he throws the ball like a pro. I mean, he is, to me, the easiest thrower that I've seen. I kind of call him the natural because of the way that he throws the ball. He throws it like an elite-level quarterback is supposed to throw it. Touch, timing, anticipation, he can layer it, he can drive it, he can throw it down the field, he can work all the angles at a horizontal standpoint. To me, from a throwing standpoint, he's everything. The biggest thing for Josh is he has to go to the right situation, right coaching staff, uh, a guy that understands how he is, a guy that is a real coach, that uh, not necessarily just a blackboard coach, a guy that can take you deeper than just the surface level when it comes to understanding. If you get someone who would challenge him and challenge his football IQ, I think you can unleash a monster in the league. That's great stuff, Buck. You know, it's funny, you know, Keith and I had Jason Negro on the show last year. Actually, coming out of that opening, um, you know, when kind of Dilfer threw Josh under the bus a little bit. I know since they made up, which is awesome, but uh, I sat next to Jason on the plane ride home, and we kind of joked around, and I go, dude, what, what happened? What was, what was all that about? And you probably heard the story, Buck, but uh, if you, maybe you haven't, but he told me, he said, you know, you guys set up, set up the playbook out there, right? It's got 112 plays in his playbook. And Josh, being the you know the the high IQ guy, he has found like ten or eleven errors in the playbook. You know, just little errors. You know, you can't run this beater against that coverage. You can't do this against that. Here's a typo. So he went in already thinking, Josh being Josh, that you know I'm smarter than these guys that put this playbook out. I don't need to listen. So I think that that was a that had a lot to do. And I was like, Jason, why didn't Josh just bring it up? The fact that say, hey, you know, I noticed this play, and like, no, Josh isn't wired that way. He doesn't know how to constructively say something. It just comes out wrong. So we said, Josh, do not say a thing about the play, but just go and be great with the kids and learn. And uh, the rest was history. But I know that was a big part of what went down with Josh at the uh, at the opening. But and I yeah, step no, over to number four. Yeah, go, yeah. Go, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it was a big part. And I think that cloud kind of hung over there because, like, words matter. And so when people put those things out there, those sound bites live forever and they shape the narrative that the public takes. It also shapes the narrative that scouts take because, believe it or not, scouts pay close attention to what's going on in the high school ranks because those are the next generation of stars. And so um, some of that stuff with the, that occurred at the opening, some of the statements that he made while he was at UCLA, that stuff matters. That stuff is kind of hung over his head and he's having a tough time shaking that perception. Yeah, yeah. But but again, for, for me, the thing that I thought was unfair was, again, I know Eddie Vanner does. I know Tack McKinley. You know, I, I know defensive linemen usually don't go to bat. Kenny Clark for a quarterback. They just don't. Yet those guys have been on record countless times saying, dude, Josh is a dog. I, I love this guy. I'll play for him any day of the week. And that, for me, speaks volumes. And also, at the opening, you know, when we had some of the, you know, the Nigu kids, right, never, ever give up, those kids um, – you asked them, hey, who was the quarterback that, that was the was the best with the young kids? And a lot of the guys say, you know, it was Josh. You know, the little kids loved him, and Josh is great with those kids. So I, I've always kind of thought Josh is misunderstood. As a quarterback, I do think he's got some, got some issues in terms of just, like I said, escapability, and, and I think that's why I like Sam. He kind of makes something of nothing. But uh, I, you mentioned system fit is going to be huge. So we can probably break down Sam and Josh all day, but we got to skip. we got to get to number four. The Browns on the clock once more, Buck. you got Saquon Barkley still there. Is there any chance that, that he goes higher than number four or that someone trades up for a quarterback? I mean, you got to figure there's going to be at least one impact trade into the top, what, six or seven for a quarterback. Do you see that potentially happening, Bucky? Uh, I think there could be a trade-up. I think, obviously, the intrigue about, and fascination about these quarterbacks are going to drive some people to make a move. It's really about – what happens at the top and how the board shakes down after that. But I would expect to see um, some movement where someone sneaks into the top five to land the third quarterback. Um, as it relates to Saquon Barkley at four, uh, I think he's the best player in the draft. I think his versatility as a runner and a receiver um, will play well in the National Football League. I believe he would need to be measured on scrimmage yards instead of 100-yard games. 
how many times does he total over 100 scrimmage yards in the game would be more important than how many times he surpasses the century mark as a rusher. I just think his game, his versatility, to me, he's the college version of Levy and Bell, and that's high praise based on how Levy has ripped up the National Football League. So number five, the Broncos, you have them taking Josh. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think Daniel DJ's got Josh way down, like number 12 or, or 13. Why is such a discrepancy between you two? Usually you guys are kind of similar in terms of how you're, what you're hearing, but you have Josh in the top five. He has him outside the top 10. Uh, I think that's me kind of hope, being optimistic that people will recognize and appreciate the talent. Um, but we both know, like, when we've polled team executives, like, as crazy as it is, like, Josh is the one that is probably uh, rated the lowest in terms of where they think he'll go. You have people who are overwhelmingly in the corner of Josh Allen over Josh Rosen. Uh, some prefer Baker Mayfield over Josh Rosen. So, uh, of all the quarterbacks that could slide, I believe he is the one that could suffer a slide based on what happened in front of him the first five picks. So is that is that a possibility? I mean, are you hearing that, Buck, that, that NFL teams actually prefer – I'm not not knocking, knocking, I'm just curious – that NFL teams actually like Baker Mayfield mm-hmm. over Josh as a NFL prospect? There are some people that do like Baker Mayfield over Josh Rosen as an NFL prospect. And there's some that like Josh Allen over – over Josh Rosen as an NFL prospect and you know I don't know like I think the Josh Allen Josh Rosen thing is kind of crazy based on every metric Josh Rosen is a better player the Baker Mayfield thing I can see if you are a guy that kind of buys bought into the story you know two time walk on underdog all his life he made it from nothing that was here undersized can't do it I think a lot of people kind of see themselves in him which is why they really love the story. My biggest issue with Baker Mayfield is when I look at him on tape, he's undersized, and I don't know what his special trait is that's going to help him overcome that physical deficiency. Like if this was Batman and he had a tool belt, I don't know what tool he has because he's not an A1 athlete like Russell Wilson. I don't believe he has the arm talent of Drew Brees. And so when you're undersized and you don't have those other things, I don't know how you overcome it. I believe he's a guy that can drive the car to the winner's circle, but I don't believe on the strength of his game alone that he can elevate a franchise. I see him more as Case Keenum than Drew Brees and Russell Wilson. You know, you, you brought up Case Keenum, which kind of begs the question, Buck, why would Denver even take a quarterback at that spot when they just signed Case Keenum to a pretty big deal? You know, that's the thing. That's a million-dollar question. I don't think it's necessary for them to take a quarterback, but you know, in this scene, in this specter, on this side of the Twitterverse, Everybody believes it's all about the quarterback, and if you don't have a quarterback, you can't compete. However, in doing what we've seen teams do the last couple of years, there have been a lot of really, really good players that fall down the charts. And some teams who know exactly what they're looking for, they're going to benefit from being able to get a grade-A player uh, later than they probably should be. Well, you rarely see offensive guards. You see tackles obviously go in the top five, top ten, but not so many offensive guards. You got Quentin Nelson at Notre Dame, and I've heard some people say best offensive guard in the last, what, five, six years. Um, how much do you love this guy, Buck? And then obviously you got him number six going to the Indianapolis Colts. Um, is that what is that the move you would make as well for the Colts at number six? Uh, I mean, depending on how, like, the way the word is shaking out, like I think, um, protecting Andrew Luck has to be a priority. Um, Nelson is better than anybody that they have. Clint Nelson is a pretty solid player. I have some reservations about him in terms of his athleticism. I feel like he's on the ground a lot to be an elite player. But all the testing suggests he's a good athlete. All the being and flexibility stuff shows a really good athlete. I just think he's going to have to change his game because the way that he played at Rock'em Sock'em football um, at Notre Dame, he's going to have to refine it so he doesn't get a lot of penalties. But he is a very, very good prospect. So there were some people saying he tested so well at the combine that he might even be able to play tackle, and that's why he goes so high. Do you think he's strictly a guard at the next level? Oh, uh, he's strictly a guard. I don't think he has a footwork and athleticism to play outside of tackle. And oh, there have only been four guys that have been drafted at guard um, in the top ten over the last, since 1971. And most of those guys initially started out as tackle before kicking in. Jonathan Cooper is the only pure tackle, pure guard, that kind of made it. So... We'll see. We'll see how that, that looks, yeah. um, you know, when it goes. But I'm just a little worried about it. 
So Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Derwin James, do you have some reservations about him? Number one safety on the board, looks like, out of Florida State. Uh, you like that pick for the Bucks? No, I mean, I do. I love that pick for the Bucks. I think Derwin James, anyone who's been around him, he's an alpha dog, natural leader. He's a guy that kind of uh, owns the room when he doesn't. And I think what's interesting uh, with Derwin James, because Derwin James and Micah Fitzpatrick will be debated back and forth. Having had both of those guys on our squad at the opening, I distinctly remember Derwin James. I felt his impact. I felt his presence. Lincoln Fitzpatrick is a very, very good player. Doesn't necessarily have the, um, in my estimation, he may not have that alpha that Derwin exhibits. Uh, in the situation in Tampa, I just think that Derwin is a better fit. He's kind of that enforcer that lurks between the hashes. I believe every defense benefits from having a guy like that. You know, like I love that you, you bring up these guys in high school. I think that sep- kind of separates you. That's probably why I like you the best. Now, you've seen these guys, not just from college, but from high school on. Do you feel like it gives you kind of a little, little bit of an edge? You know, you've seen Derwin James. You've seen, yeah, you know, Sam. You've think, seen Josh Rosen. Yeah, I don't think they change a whole lot. I think what you can determine from those guys back then, you can remember how they competed. You've also sure. seen them in a different environment because 707, as much as people hate it, 707 to me, there's a lot of good in it, particularly when I'm looking at running backs. I knew that Ezekiel Elliott can catch the ball at the backfield because I've seen him do it in high school. Um, you can talk about the Kamaras and all the other guys that go to the league, the McCaffreys or whatever. Like whenever you see these guys in high school, you see them, you see the extra skills that they bring to the table. So for me, it is unique. It is tough. I try not to hang on that too tough, but a lot of times these guys are the same way three, four years from now. They may just be a polished version of themselves. Yeah. Kind of, kind of going off the script for a second, but you kind of just brought it up. Has there ever been a guy, Buck, that you watched in high school that you kind of like? Yeah, this guy can't play. This guy's kind of a, you know, kind of a dog. I don't mean the good kind. And then after watching him in college and you, you scout him for the NFL, you're like, dude, this guy can, this guy can absolutely go. Anybody who kind of you didn't really love in high school, but you loved out of college, kind of just made a huge jump in their game. Uh, you know, like it's funny because sometimes that 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 uh, first impression matters. I remember uh, Eli Apple, who went by Eli Woodard um, when he was coming out of high school. I remember him being on my team, and I did feel like he shut it down at Red Iron Kings one year when the they got kind of hot in the kitchen. I felt like he kind of found a way out the back door, and I always worried about that. And I wondered how is he going to handle like some of that adversity that may hit him. Now, he's a really good player. He's a really good player at Ohio State. But I just distinctly remember, hey, man, look, Greg, you've been around these events. It's the first time some of these dudes have seen a dude that's an animal just like them. And some of those guys step back instead of stepping up in those moments. And so I put a lot of stock into, like, what I remember from those guys, especially if I coach them, um, because I think it's, it's a level of detail that some people don't have. Lucky, I love that you brought up Gridiron Kings. I'm going to go way off the script, and Keith's going to laugh when I say this. I, I Honestly, I think most people, Buck, would, would say the draft doesn't really start until pick number 87 when my L.A. Rams get on the board. That's when the draft really starts, right, Bucky? The reason why, hey, so Brandon, Brandon Cooks was my receiver at Gridiron Kings. Probably the, the, the year he came out, he was probably the least heralded and by far my best guy. He absolutely killed it. I don't know if you remember seeing him at that event. But what do you I think? I don't remember. I'm trying what to think that might have been when he did it. That might have been the year before I got on. Okay. Um, but Brandon Cooks is one of my favorites. So I can imagine, like, absolutely falling in love with him there because he was a route runner, and he's tough, and he's competitive. And that's also why I kind of laugh when I hear these people kind of put him in a category and box him in, like, oh, he's just a deep threat or this. I was like, nah, he's a little more than that. You know, he had a pure, pure pass catcher, man. He he had pure hands like I've never seen. So I was going to ask your opinion on the Rams traded the number one pick for Brandy. Was that was that too much to give up, or do you feel Cooks justice is will justify? I'm assuming it's going to be they have to they have to extend him, right? But if they do, do you like that trap? You like that trade number one pick for for Brandon Cooks for the Rams? Oh no, I think he's a good player. I also think he gives him something that he didn't have. Like when they couldn't resign Sammy Watkins, they needed a vertical threat, someone that could take the top off the defense. He can do that, but I think he can also do so much more. Um, I think in that offense, one thing Sean McVay can do is he can find a way to elevate his playmakers. He'll find a way to create some opportunities for Brandon Cooks to get down. 
Amen, Bucky. Can I get an amen? I just have to go off the script for a second because my Ram, we don't have a first or a second round pick. I wanted you to at least at least get some get some love for him. Hey, number eight, the Bears are going. You got them going. Denzel Ward, cornerback from the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, what do you love about Denzel Ward? And again, uh, you know, is that the pick that you would do for the Bears at number eight? I um, mean, yeah, I think it's a good pick. I think if Quentin Nelson is there, it would be a no-brainer for them to take the guard, Quentin Nelson. However, in this scenario, Denzel Ward being a corner, being a guy that can lock down, that is uh, fast, tough, he's physical, has great ball skills. I think he's an outstanding athlete who plays the position the right way. I think it would be a great pick for the Bears. The Bears want to get better because, remember, you always build your team to win your division. In that division, you now have a bunch of quarterbacks. You have Aaron Rodgers, you have Matthew Stafford, you have Kirk Cousins. You better find someone that can cover those guys on the outside and get the ball back. Denzel Ward is one of those guys. Okay, so number nine, we can just skip them because we don't care about the 49ers. I'm, I'm kidding. That's me being a Rams <laughs> over there for a second. So we got, we got the 49ers taking Tremaine Edmonds, a linebacker from Vatek. Uh, again, break him down for me. How good is this guy? And, again, what would, what would your pick be? for the 49ers right there at number nine? Uh, I think he's there. I think he's the right pick for them. Uh, Terrain was only 19, I think so, 19 years old. Uh, got his very versatile. Can play on the edge, but can also go inside. And so in today's game, you think about that versatility and how you can tap into it. Imagine having a guy that can play on the edges on the early downs and slide inside. On some downs, you can move around. He's really a movable chess piece that you can work with. Very, very talented player. Wide the right way. His twin brother, who's a safety, who is also outstanding. Uh, the kid is awesome. The kid is really going to be a dynamic and dominant player in the league. We got Roquan Smith, Georgia, linebacker, going to the Oakland Raiders. How much do you love this guy, Buck? Uh, I like him a lot. You know, I've heard uh, Gruden and those guys kind of compare him to like a Derek Brooks type player, and he is. He's a running chase player. He is outstanding playing sideline to sideline. Great instincts, awareness, and vision. Um, He's a guy that can be a force. And I think in a defense where they really allow him to run and chase, he can be a factor. So I don't want to go through every single pick. I just want to get to the top ten, but I do want to kind of pick and choose a few more guys. Obviously, you've got you know, the Dolphins going Baker Mayfield. We already kind of dissected him a little bit. Uh, but Mason Rudolph, I don't know if I've seen him you know, as high uh, on other people's boards, but you got him going number 12, Oklahoma State quarterback, going to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, again, is, is, the, is that – is that a pretty strong possibility that the Bills will go quarterback at that spot right there? Uh, I mean, I think the Bills are definitely going quarterback. Now, is that high for Mason Rudolph? Absolutely. But at some point, um, there's some people that really value this guy and some people that see him as a top pick, see him as a potential starter, see him as someone who can lead a team. There are other people that think he is a bottom-of-the-draft, maybe a priority free agent type dude. And so it is interesting to have those kind of polarizing opinions. Being at the throw day watching him spin it, he can spin it like no other. The issue that some people have is, man, that offense at Oklahoma State, man, a lot of inflated production. Uh, playing in a conference that really doesn't play a lot of defense. So yeah. what do you do with that? I think he's a really, really talented player. But in saying that, we elevate Baker Mayfield. He plays in that same conference. I mean, it's, it is what it is. I think what you have to do is look at the talent. He throws it well enough. He has a high enough football IQ where it looks like he would have the stuff to get it done. We will have to see how that goes. You know, I kind of want to pop around, but these is kind of going in order of guys I wanted to talk about with Dita Bay. Uh, definitely want to give, you know, the Pac-12 schools some love, Washington Huskies. Uh, what do you think about Dita Bay? Big time D-tackle, big athlete up there in the middle. Uh, how do you think he's going to be as an NFL player? Uh, I mean, he's a big time athlete. Anytime you have a former running back uh, that plays defense tackle, that's unique. Uh, six volumes by his versatility. And then when you go to the Fiesta Bowl, you watch him cover a punt, he makes a big tackle. Uh, it just says the dude can do so many different things at that position. I think the big thing that you want to see from Vita is can he be a dominant pass rush? Because a lot of times you don't want to invest a top pick in a defensive tackle that can't get after the quarterback. Uh, he appears to have some of those traits. I don't know if he has enough to be a double digit sack artist, but he's a really good player and he's athletic. It's hard to find big guys that can move like that. So Calvin Ridley, talk about guys who just stepped up at the opening. The, the year he was there, he was unbelievable. So he's is I, obviously he's the first receiver off the board. Would he be your top receiver in this draft as well? Yeah, he'd be my top receiver in the draft because he's a route runner. Route runners always find a way to have production because he is skilled. If he's talented, he's technically sound. I think he'll have an opportunity to really be successful in the league pretty early. And so. Um, people talk about his slender frame and how slight he is, but I just believe he is so skilled at what he do, what he does, that he's going to have an opportunity to be very, very successful in the league. 
And then Lamar Jackson, he's kind of been, uh, I don't know what the word is. You, you talked about how people have different opinions when it comes to Mason Rudolph. I, I would think Lamar Jackson kind of falls in that category as well. Some people probably love him, some people not so much. Uh, what do you think his upside is as a quarterback? You, you definitely think he goes in the first round. And then, how, you know, again, how good can you, uh, do you think Lamar can be, you know, two, three, four years from now? I think he's going to be outstanding. I think a lot of it depends on him and what his football aptitude is and what his uh, thirst for learning is. Is he going to be a guy that leans more on uh, his stuff from the neck, or is he just going to be a guy that leans on his athleticism? If he commits to being a guy that becomes a cerebral playmaker to go with the skills that he displays, he could be Michael Vick 2.0. I think the interesting thing is he kind of gets game because he is a dual-fair quarterback. But anyone who looked at Deshaun Watson should be able to look at the game that Lamar Jackson played against Deshaun Watson two years ago. He was the best quarterback on the field. So if Lamar, if Deshaun Watson can go to the league and rip it up, imagine what Lamar Jackson can do in an offense that is tailored to his skill set. So if you are you saying you feel he's on par with Deshaun Watson, Buck? And if so, would you personally have him going even higher than number 16 if you're in charge of some of these teams in the top 10? Uh, I mean, I think, like, one, I think the big issue that you have to figure out is are you willing to commit uh, your offense to playing the kind of style that allows him to be successful? You can't run a traditional offense. You have to do what he's always done at Louisville to get the best out of him. I do believe that he can do the exact same things that Deshaun Watson did. Um, I think he's a more explosive athlete. I think Deshaun Watson was probably a better passer, but Lamar Jackson has a bigger arm. And so I think there's some things that you can do to put him on the field to allow him to have success. There's no reason why he can be a successful NFL quarterback if the team is bought into him being a franchise guy. Hey, let's, let's go to number 43. Yeah, sorry. Hey, Greg. If I, yeah, if I can interject really quickly, I, I think fit is a, is a big word in terms of Lamar Jackson. Going to Baltimore, Greg Roman is the offensive coordinator, uh, a guy who coached Colin Kaepernick when he was at San Francisco 49ers and helped get them and take them to the Super Bowl. Uh, Lamar, I think he can fit. Uh, in a system that Greg Roman can design around his skill set and be able to take advantage of his athleticism and that explosive right cannon he has for an arm. So I'm with you, Buck. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's important. Like, whoever is coaching and designing that offense has to believe in him. And if they believe in him and they get to know him and they're willing to do what he does very well, he can succeed at this level. There's no doubt in my mind. But it's really about who believes in him to that level who's willing to pull the trigger on him as a big-time player. If you're going to go quarterback in the first round, wouldn't it make sense that you would try to build your offense to, to scheme around what that guy does you know, best, especially if you're going to, with a top-10 pick? It just seems, it seems to me it's common sense that you'd want to build it around that guy. You wouldn't invest in that kind of money and that kind of draft capital unless you wanted to build around that kid. I mean, that's what you would like to think. But, you know, like, sometimes you know, like, um, the league is, like, the last one to change. Um, when you look at the, the ranks, and I think this is maybe why I probably have a little more tolerance and patience for guys that are a little more athletic at the quarterback positions because every Friday night when I look around, those are guys that are playing. The thought of the league going backwards where all these statuesque pocket passes are going to dominate, I just don't see it because I don't see those guys in the pipeline. It's harder to find those guys. And so at some point the league is going to have to figure out how can they change, how can they adapt to what the talent is being cultivated at the lower ranks and eventually is going to be produced at the upper levels. You're going to have to figure out a way to deal with some of these guys who are um, more athletes than passers, guys that can kind of make plays with their legs. You're going to have to embrace some of the things that are being done at the high school and collegiate levels to allow those guys to play at a high level. Hey, Buck, New England Patriots, you got Colt Miller, the UCLA offensive tackle. I, I didn't watch every UCLA game this past year. The ones I did, man, this guy struggled. He almost got gross and killed in the Cal game a couple times. Uh, I, I know he tested really well at the combine. He's got the size. He's got the upside. He's got all that. But as just being a pure football player, how much do you like this kid? You know, it's tough because this is a year where there aren't a lot of offensive tackles. And so... If you're going to gamble on a kid, a lot of times you tend to gamble on guys who are better athletes. You gamble on the size and the athletic traits, hoping that your coaching staff can get them to a level where they play to their talent. He does have some tape out there that kind of makes you cringe. However, the athleticism <laughs> and the size is real. And so when you're kind of picking through uh, a shallow pool that doesn't have a lot of A-level talent, you always have to lean towards the athleticism and hope 
that your coaching staff can get him right. That's what you're banking on when you say Colton Miller's going to be a first-round pick. That makes sense. That makes sense. Keith, you want hey, to Greg, tell us you got any first-round questions for Keith? Yeah, uh, for yeah. Two, a couple, yeah, no, uh, just a couple of, of picks that we have here. Rashawn Evans at the University of Alabama. We love him as an inside backer, a guy who's got versatility. But what are your thoughts? Oh, uh, look, he's a tough, productive player, great instincts, just solid all around. He's been schooled by one of the best, obviously, in this day, but he should be able to run the defense and handle all the communication and calls and checks and adjustments that come his way. So he's a rock-solid player, plays with the kind of violence and physicality that you want in the position. So, yeah, he's a good one. I expect him to be a solid first-round pick. Now, would you be in a former defensive back, Bug? I really want to know you thoughts on this next guy. Jair Alexander is a kid that I've loved over the last couple of years. University of Louisville, a big-time playmaker with supreme ball skills. What have you seen on tape from this guy? You got him on 29 to the Jaguars, team up, of course, with their already dynamic defense. What are your thoughts on Jair Alexander? Uh, I mean, I love him as a player. I think he's competitive, obviously. He has some dog in him, which you want on the island. I think that competitiveness and that dog makes him a perfect fit in Jacksonville. When you look at his uh, athleticism, you look at the way he plays the game, he plays it the right way. Outstanding instincts. He has great um, ball skills because he's a former high school wide receiver, so he understands how to take the ball away. And There's always a premium uh, in the league for guys that can turn the ball over. He can do that. And so uh, the size and stuff, maybe it's a bit of a question, but, man, he is so solid in terms of how he plays. It's hard not to fall in love with him. Yeah, there's no question about it. Lastly, pick 31, you got the New England Patriots taking maybe my favorite defensive player in all of college football, Leighton Vander Esch, a absolute stud at middle linebacker at six foot four and a half, two hundred and fifty pounds, and a four five forty guy. What have you seen on tape and what did you see in his workouts last combines that leads you to believe this guy is gonna be big time in the league once he gets there? Um, I think the big thing with Leighton Vander Esch is he's a big time athlete. He has some versatility. He can play off the edge. He's long. He's leaning. We did these things where we compared his numbers. We were able to compare his numbers to some of the greats at the position. And the guy kind of compares to like a guy like a Brian Erlach in terms of the height, the size, the speed. Now, he's a bit of a one-year wonder because he only has one year of solid production at Boise State. But, man, if he is able to put it together, you talk about having an opportunity to have a very, very special player on your hands. No question about it. GB? Hey, so uh, – Buck, just want to throw some guys at you now. Maybe some local kids, maybe some SC and UCLA kids. Yeah, maybe these guys aren't going to be first, second, even third round picks. But just want to know what you're hearing and where they could go. Uh, what about a guy like Rasheem Green? Uh, DN, D-tackle, whatever, whatever the scheme is going to be. USC, uh, what are you hearing on Rasheem? How high could he go? Uh, I mean, I think he's solidly located in the second round. I think his versatility um, as a pass rusher really, really helps him. Being able to play on the edges or even rush over the guard. I think there's a premium for that. Everybody's looking for that inside pass rush because it is the most disruptive position. And so when you have an edge guy that is comfortable sliding inside like a Michael Bennett, um, there's always a place for him. He's going to have an opportunity to be a pretty solid second-round pick, I think. What about stay with USC for a second? What about the pride of Narbonne High School, Yuchenna Nwosu, outside linebacker? What, is it, what, what are the rumblings about Yuchenna? Uh, I mean, you know, like he's a good player. Obviously, defensive captain, a guy that's a leader, a guy that is destructive off the edge, has some pass ability, plays hard and rides the right way. I seem to be a guy that can be um, kind of one of those A1 leaders that you want in your defense. I think he is somewhere that is on that borderline of that second and third round pick. Uh, teams are running three, four defense, teams that cover the player that can be a little versatile and dynamic in the play. Ronald Jones, running back, USC. How high can he go? Oh, uh, man, there was a time where I thought Ronald Jones would have an opportunity to be a first-round pick. Uh, I think some of that momentum is kind of uh, slowed down because he didn't necessarily have a good offseason. Man. He didn't really run well, didn't test well, didn't handle his business uh, leading up to the combine and the pro day. But when you turn on tape, he's a very, very good player. Played much better this season than he did the season four. Showed more strength and power in his run. Um, I think the big thing for Rojo is understanding who he is and what's the best way to use him. I think he will be a second-round pick. Uh, will he ever be like a lead back? I don't know. But he has some skills that are very, very intriguing to offensive guys looking for a playmaker at a position. What about Jordan Lashley, UCLA receiver? I, I know the, the buzz was people wanted him to run better uh, at his pro day and at the combine. 
can he go as high as third round, or is he more of a fifth round guy right now? Yeah, like for everybody, like it's kind of different. I think the thing that really, really kills him, he has two things that work against him. He has some character issues that he has to kind of vet out and explain um, some reasons for suspension and stuff for UCLA. And then he had a tough time catching the ball. His drop is just one of the highest of all the receivers in the draft. But when you watch him in a two-game stretch against USC and Cal, he has to lift them up. He has some talent. He has some playmaking ability. And he's a pretty good route runner. So that range, that third to fifth round range, I think that is good. The third being on the high side, fifth being on the low side. I just got two more, and then Keith, you can jump in. Uh, both are going to be running back questions, so you can just answer those, those these two together. Uh, Rashad Penny, San Diego State, uh, how high can he go? Do you like this guy? And then Bryce Love, if he would have come out, Stanford running back, if Bryce would have came out this year for the draft, how high w- would he have been a first-rounder? And, and obviously, you know, looking at next year, uh, where, do you, where would you put him in your early, early 2019 draft? Uh, I think Rashad Penny, there are a lot of people that like him. There's some people that view him as the second-best running back in the class. Some people love his ability to catch the ball out the backfield with his size. He has some kick return ability, so he speaks to his versatility. Um, I would think that Penny comes off somewhere in the second round, but don't be surprised if he goes a little sooner than some people expect. Uh, when it comes to Bryce Love, like Bryce Love I know really well, obviously, because my dad coached him in high school uh, at Wake Forest Roseville back in North Carolina. And when he comes to Stanford, uh, he's been even better than I imagined him to be. His ability to run inside as a guy that is more of a smaller back is unique. Uh, if he had come out in this year's draft, I think he kind of had an opportunity to probably been washed, like lost in the wash. Uh, he still would have been drafted. But because there are so many running backs in this class, I don't think he would have been really valued the way that he should be. I think next year he could have an opportunity to be uh, a first-round pick, maybe a late first-round pick because size is always going to be a concern. The thing that he needs to show people, he can catch the ball out the backfield and be a factor in the passing game. At that size, you're really looking for guys that are more scat-back types. So if he can show that he can catch the ball out the backfield, he'll have a chance to enhance his stock. Beautiful. Keith? Nice, nice, Buck. What, GB, that's all for me. That's all I got, man. I think yeah, I'm good. I'm good, man. I'm good, too. For this. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate you, Buck. Thanks for doing this for us. Again, we know how busy you are this time of day, this time of year. So, uh, dude, you hit a, you stick and hit a grand slam. Mike Trout out of the park. Appreciate you, my friend. Uh, No problem, man. You guys be good. All right, we appreciate Bucky Brooks for joining us. Um, Always a good time, a good friend of ours, good friend of the show, and uh, we love having him on here. GB. What do you think about this draft kind of going forward, Greg Biggs, in terms of Southern California kids? We know about Darno. What do you think Josh Rosen's going to fit? I mean, I think he's a great fit for either of those two New York teams. But, you know, I, I think uh, I don't think it's a bad thing if he goes to the Giants and has to sit out a year, play behind Eli Manning. I think, too, it's pretty hard to play quarterback. I don't think it's uh, – I think that's the best case scenario, no matter how good you are. Even if you're, you know, Andrew Luck good and smart, man, if you can go and sit for a year, why not? So, you know, I, I know Jim Moore got trashed for saying he thought Sam was a better fit in Cleveland, but the reality is I think so too. I mean, if you just – Sam's a gritty, tough kind of a kid. He kind of fits Cleveland being a gritty, tough, blue-collar town. I, don't, I know we live in the day and age people like to get offended, Keith, but I don't think that was such a horrible thing for anyone to say. I know this coach – Jim Moore didn't say he picked the number one. He just said he's the best fit for Cleveland. I, I agree. I think Sam should go to Cleveland. Maybe Josh Rosen, Josh Allen go to the New York team. You know, I'm, I'm just fascinated, Keith. I think that the draft, everyone knows, I think the draft really starts with that Rams taking the third round. That's when the draft really gets going and really gets interesting. So I'm kind of curious what they're going to do with that third round pick, which is their first overall this year, because we don't have a first or second round pick. What are, what are they? That's the fun to begin, Keith. That's the fun really to get going with those Rams, baby. What, where, what's the need for the Rams right now? Is it going to be a linebacker, GB, since they lost the kid from Georgia? I think so. They, they need inside, they need outside backers. But, you know, I think they've already proven that they don't really go by eight. They go by the best overall player. So, yeah. I mean, shoot, I would not be shocked if they take, you know, shoot a running back. Not they don't they don't really need one, but if the best guy on the board happens to be a running back or, a you know, a left tackle or a wide receiver, I could see them going that route. But based on need, yes, I definitely would love to see an inside or even an outside backer. They only have, like, two guys on contract, on contract right now that are, that are linebackers. So, 
that's that's for me. That's, that's a need, but I don't want to reach either. I want to. I want the best guy on the board. And if he plays linebacker, that's all the better. Well, whoever it is, GB, they're coming to LA, and if they're coming to LA, they need to I'm go visit. They need to go visit the Winter Circle. All right, listen, everybody, and I'm talking to you parents and you student-athletes. It's the off-season. This is your time to get better and improve. Come the fall, that's your chance to showcase yourself in front of big-time scouts like me and recruiters across the nation. Now, there are a lot of guys out there that claim to be trainers. They grab a whistle, grab a couple cones, but it's just not that successful. What I'm talking about is going big-time. Invest yourself into something special. Call my guy, Jordan Campbell, at Winter Circle Athletics. It's a facility in Corona, California with world-class, state-of-the-art, technology and equipment that creates world-class athletes. They understand human performance, health and wellness, and they customize programs to meet your athletic goals. They train specific for your sport and position. The Winter Circle has 50-plus Division I athletes over the last three years. They've added to a 50,000-plus square foot facility, and they also have a prep academy for 8th graders to 6th graders that concentrates on athletic development, social development, and academic development in their newly renovated facility. The Winter Circle Athletic you can contact them at wintercircleathletics.com. All right, we appreciate you for joining us on today's show. Uh, Bucky Brooks was a terrific guest. GB, he's going to get his Rams organization to go pick the best player. Um, and you know what? Whatever happens, Greg Biggins, it's going to be a great draft. Dreams are going to come true for a lot of these young talented football players. I can't wait. Hopefully, we'll be spending draft day at one town, one team, celebrating with that whole entire San Clemente family. But if not, I'll be watching with my kid with his helmet and shoulder pads on, dreaming of one day being on that stage and, and putting on that hat. Is your kid going to really wear his helmet and shoulder pads during the draft? He does it every year. That is no way. That is the greatest thing I've ever heard. I, I need to see pictures of that. That is unbelievable. We I have love that. we have pictures of every year he puts on a pet. You know, of course, this is the first year he's had some shoulder pads, but he put on a helmet every year to watch the draft. He wants to be a football player. That's what he wants to do. That is a beautiful thing, man. I'm sure it's a Rams helmet or a Rams jersey because you would not do anything, you know, otherwise with him. You are a, you know, you are a true American. <laughs> Rams are America's team right now, baby. So let's 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 brainwash this kid early, man. Make sure he's wearing the right colors. All right, yeah, I'll see what I'll see what I can do about that. We appreciate you guys for joining us on the show on the on today's show. Excuse me, on today's show. Follow us our social media: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're out there. Follow us and subscribe on YouTube. We love to hear your comments. Please subscribe to the channel. Do not miss a show. Um, easy to access. YouTube is a great platform. Again, though, we appreciate you. From my man Greg Biggins, it's your boy Coach Keith. There's a new sheriff in town, and his name's Richie Hammond. Y'all be cool.